Hello. One of the great things about walking around is all the stuff you end up seeing, and this is stuff you would never see had you not been walking around. Um, I smile a little because it's very obvious, but still, that's how it is. And in this podcast series, I usually begin each episode by sharing something that I've seen recently. So, of course, I'm going to do that now. Uh, last Sunday we were out walking. Uh, spring is close. The centre of the city is getting fuller and fuller. So we went out uh, with the ferry to the north and just took this long route. And it was really nice. You're sort of in nature, nature-ish, not total nature. But it's very peaceful. Um, and you just, you know, it was nice weather, sun and cloud. It wasn't that warm, wasn't that cold very pleasant so we're walking and on the way back uh, we go over the, something called the Schellingwalder Brug. <laughs> that's the Schellingwalder Bridge sorry for my pronunciation and then a bit further on there's another bridge and that one is the Amsterdamsbrug. and so when we got to the western end of that you sort of go down these stairs and there's a big half pipe and I think that area is also known as Graffiti Bridge because there is a lot of graffiti. It's a sort of, I don't know if it's an official area, but the graffiti stays there for a long time. Uh, when I lived in my old house, often if I wanted to cycle into the east part of the city, I'd pass uh, this place. I think I have a photograph of way back when, some, some of the graffiti there. I'll look for it. If I have it, I'll put a link. Anyway, so we go down there and you have all this graffiti and I'm looking at uh, different pieces. There's one quite impressive wolf head, you know, it's pretty strong. Uh, there was another big uh, segment and that was dedicated to somebody who died in 2021, quite young. And um, anyway, we're sort of walking and I, the first thing I see is this uh, Alfa Romeo, um, what do they call SUV. It's sort of dark anthracite color, and the wheels are whatever, I don't know. But I can see these big yellow brake calipers on the car. I'm just, oh, yeah, okay. And the doors are open, so then I look. And the first thing I see when I look is a young kid spraying away on one section of the graffiti wall. And then on the other side is the kid's dad also spraying away. And so the two of them are just... They are not conversing with one another, they're just doing their thing. Uh, completely different styles, and it was just fun to see that. Uh, so yeah, that's what I saw, and um, I thought I could share that with you. Alright, for some reason, um, very unknown reason, I've been thinking a lot about storytelling quite recently. And because of that, and because <laughs> I need to find something to add into these uh, podcast episodes, I thought I could share some of the thoughts that um, have been jumping around my head. The first is my general view that storytelling was the true oldest profession. And I know, I don't know why or how, who started this where they say prostitution is the oldest profession, but I actually think it was storytelling. And I can imagine that the payment back then, of course, it wasn't necessarily money. It was probably not money at all. Uh, and whatever you received as a storyteller would come from 
the listeners' attention, their amazement, you know, if they, they were happy or if they cried or whatever insights your story gave them, that gave you riches and that made you sort of really, really cool as a storyteller. By the way, because achieving what I just mentioned is really what it's all about as far as storytelling goes, then I feel that the term storyteller makes much more sense to me than something like writer. Um, it's more honest, it certainly has a much more romantic vibe, and if you really think about it, writing is just one of the many, many ways you can share a story. Something else I've been going on, or at least I've implied that storytelling is a really wonderful thing and actually it is of course when you see what it can achieve how it can move people it, it it's it's magical actually yes but at the same time i generally treat it as a very ordinary everyday activity because all of us are doing it all the time every when you say how your day was when you describe how to get to some place you give a report there are all these versions of stories and in a way, um, I think it's all about how much do you practice the craft, because the more you do that, the better your skills become. At the same time, uh, it doesn't ever mean a storyteller is better than anybody else, it's just that you're good at that particular thing. And apologies to any who found that just a little bit uh, preachy. Uh, among all the thoughts I've been having recently on storytelling, some of them, I notice, are quite old. And they're so old they've evolved into something that is much closer to a vision than a thought. And one of them is, it's a sort of, it, I, it's just there, this image in my head, this scene. And it's uh, a condition in which in this world, uh, stories can be bought in much the same way that you buy your bread or your groceries and stuff like that. So in, in the villages and the towns and the cities, you have somewhere on the street, you have a little storytelling shop. You go in, um, you decide what you want. You can sort of buy a story, take it with you. You can have a story uh, read to you there. Maybe you have sort of very exclusive storytelling uh, shops where you need to book an appointment months and months in advance, and then you go there, get a story, personal story. And yeah, you know, I see that. And I, I, I know maybe it sounds a bit idealistic, but I really wish, sometimes I wish that professions existed in this way and that not everything was so, um, you know, organized and I don't know, big businessy. It's not that big businesses wrong <laughs> hard to say that <laughs> it's not the big business is wrong it's just i think there should also be room for the smaller things and storytelling you know imagine your storytelling shop you just you feel down going to the shop you come out you feel really good again um a close friend of that particular landscape is this situation in which i as a storyteller i travel around the world and i receive lodgings uh, refreshment and stuff in exchange for telling wonderful tales. So I see myself in sort of city squares or, or that kind of thing. I used to do that in Mesra when I did live storytelling, by the way. But you sort of sit down and you're on the same level as the people listening to you. 
and together you you sort of tell a story and in the, in the telling of that story you all become one and it's just a really great experience so I imagine sometimes I would imagine myself especially on days when I felt a bit miserable I would imagine myself sort of zooming around well not zooming around the world but just moving from one place to another telling stories and then as I get there people say oh the storytellers here the storytellers here and it would be a lot of fun we can dream of course we can then there is this view of the storyteller as something like a travel guide and yeah this is a this came up because sometime i think around december 2021 i was having a discussion about what i wanted to do next after the book that's you know coming out soon so and I said I wanted to go in a different direction. I said, no, 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 you'll lose all your readers. And I said, yeah, but for me, th that's the most natural thing to do. I can't stay in the same place. And while I was trying to build my argument for why I needed to go in a different direction, I came up with this vision of um, the storyteller as a travel guide. So it's as if your readers or listeners or whoever, your audience, are in this bus and you're driving this bus and so you go to this place you show what this place is like and you know create a story out of that and once that's finished we all get back in the bus and then we go off to a completely different place and so you end up being able to I feel it's like do you always stay in the same city or do you really travel in do you really try and find out different things I think that's what you should do as a storyteller and sometimes I believe there's a kind of difference that a writer can become very very focused on one particular area and delve into that to this incredible level I, I can't do that I, do, I don't have the staying power I have to go to one place and I have to move on and so the uh, travel guide that really um, I think that's just uh, a great image of a storyteller, at least for me it is, and I hope you agree. <laughs> I hope you agree with that. Uh, let's see. Oh yeah, there's this other one. Um, that's not this really old vision, it just comes once in a while. But I imagine filling in a storyteller's job description form, so it's saying what do you do, uh, how do you do it, and my answer to what do you do would probably be along the lines of like we provide um, a service uh, show you the world from another perspective from a different angle uh, storytellers inform delight uh, terrify transport you to all kinds of places uh, we illuminate things get you thinking and so on and so forth so that would be the sort of what do you do that would be my answer to what do you do as for how do we do that? How do we do what we do? I think there are a million and one different ways, as many different kinds of storytellers as you know, there are as many different ways to uh, do your thing. And so I can only speak for myself. And what I notice I tend to do is that I sample the bits and pieces of the goings on in the world that's, you know, that happen around me, whether it's something I read or something I see out there on the street, it doesn't matter. And they all get filed away and one day at some moment 
when I build the story, it's like making this remix, taking all these little bits of pieces. So it's like a, I think I mentioned it in an earlier episode. You take somebody's walk, you take a sentence you heard there, and the result of doing all that, you transmit out into the world. Uh, hopefully people love it. Um, in a strange way, you're kind of a mixture between a DJ and a radio. So things, stories of the world sort of come through you and they go out and, yeah, okay. Again, if, <laughs> if that sounds preachy, sorry, uh, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm just saying what I think and hopefully harming nobody while doing this. Then you have the storyteller's hopes. So just as you have many, many kinds of ways of telling stories, I think you have just as many desires. So different storytellers want different things uh, or want their stories to do different things. And I really, really want my stories to stick. And what I mean by that is I love the idea of being able to tell a story that the listener or the reader can take with them and then pass it on to someone else or at least talk about it. And while, I, of course, I'm never there when these things are passed on. Sometimes there is a kind of reward that can happen. It, it happened when I told life stories. I'd be somewhere and I'd bump into someone and they say, hey, I know you from the Mesrab. And then they tell me a story or a part of a story I told them about two years back. And that was just, I don't know why, but I find that really, it just makes me so happy when that happens. And so I feel when I, when I deliver a story, I want that to happen. I want it to stick. And because I want it to stick, I don't, I try to keep it as simple as possible. So maybe, the, or rather the, the um, delivery as simple as possible. So maybe the story is complex, but I'm not going to get wild with uh, sentences. Of course, of course, in the first drafts, <laughs> There are sentences that have such glory. There these sometimes, I don't know. There these sentences. When I'm writing them, it's like the 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 clouds or the skies are filled with thousands of drums, and I'm just writing. And this is, I hear all these things. Oh, this is great. This is brilliant. <laughs> and then the second draft, some of it survives. Third draft, it's you suddenly see these things like, what is that? What That has nothing to do with the story. It's simply your ego just got in there and did its thing. And so you have to cut that out. Um, because I feel it's distracting and I feel you, it. those moments are never, they just, at least for me, they are never about a story. They're just moments when I feel, I don't know, I feel the need to <laughs> to show off. Uh, yeah, so um, there's that. Another kind of hope, and this is really from the writing side of storytelling. I always wanted my words to eventually end up as a published book, a book that somebody could hold in their hand and read. And so that's about to happen. It's a couple of days from now the book is out. Um, I have to say my nerves are kind of misbehaving. I really did think, I don't know, I, well, this is new. I, this has never happened before. So 
It's uh, very interesting. I'm discovering many things about my own character <laughs> and patience. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so, but that's good, that's good. And um, I, to be honest, I actually feel my nerves are crying out for attention this moment, calling me to help them. So I'm going to disappear and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye.